Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 293 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome! In this episode I chat to Brandon Robinson, One Guy Games, about their twin stick shooter, Hashtag Funtime. That's why it's definitely called Hashtag Funtime. Be careful, we're looking that up on the internet. You might find stuff. Yeah, really fascinating, fascinating game made by a fascinating person. Which is why we've got him on episode 293, so without further ado even though i've just said that now and there's now more ado to further and i apologize for that so it's kind of redundant isn't it chris can we please from the past about six weeks ago or so could you please get me out of this hole because i've really gone too far this time brandon hello who are you and what do you do uh my name is uh brandon robinson i'm a solo developer um the sole developer in a studio i made called uh one guy games and i'm the developer of hashtag funtime you are indeed what a game everyone this this is yeah great but before we delve into that i really want to right now but we can't i've got to keep my powder dry and just you know we'll 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 get into it but before we do that let's find out a little bit more about brandon and his history the third person there brandon but how did you make your start making video games um I'm actually, yeah, I'm not a, not trained. I'm all self-taught. And I actually started making video games two years ago. And my first project was a little project called Color Game that uh, evolved into a game called Hashtag Fun Time. It's actually my first and only project. Everything else has been, uh, you know, small tutorials or just, um, just little prototypes that didn't amount to anything. Um, I'm actually a, a mechanical engineer and I was just 
got into operations roles and was not very fulfilled technically. So I decided I needed a hobby and I, I always listen to video game podcasts. I love playing video games. And one day actually a, a unity tutorial popped up when you go down the YouTube rabbit hole. And I was like, man, this looks, it looks like something I could probably do. And so I decided, uh, I just started, decided to look into it, started doing tutorials and, this first game was actually going to be a game I made that my oldest son and I could play together. And at the time he was, um, I guess all my family, I have four kids, but uh, a couple of my kids were learning their colors. So that's where the color swapping mechanic came from. And I decided uh, to go that route and start, start making games. That's really inspirational stuff because you hear a lot of people you think, oh, it's just beyond me. I can't, you know, I can't code for toffee. I, just, I can't, you know, this is too hard. But the barrier of entry, you don't need assembly anymore. It's not like 30 years ago, I mean, the Atari 2600, where you needed to hit the hardware, as they call it. You don't need to do that anymore. Uh, it's it's much more high level and it's much more, it's, it's much easier. Uh, relatively, I hasten to add, because it's still... It's no mean feat making a video game, as, as Brandon now knows. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it definitely. I thought, oh yeah, I, I, I remember telling my friends, I'm starting to make a video game. I'll sh- I'll show you it. I, I should be pretty close to done in three months or so. You know, having the wide eyes of, I got something moving on the screen, and yeah, yeah. Three months later, uh, yeah, maybe another three months. Three months yeah. later, maybe another three months. So, <laughs> I learned it took a lot longer than I thought. It's the last ten percent. It's uh, takes most of the effort. Especially, you know, do you have to do menus? Yes. Can they just compile it themselves? No. <sighs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Sound effects, menus, save states, all these different things that seem like obviously they should be in every game, I guess, but uh, a lot more difficult than I thought they would be. Collision detection is another one. Yeah, that's, that's really, really understate. Under, I mean, you, you know, you could go from. The hitboxes in Street Fighter, which you may have may studied, I don't know, but it's a that's one of the most classic sort of like something you know, in beat 'em ups that that whole contact and timing and everything is amazing uh, when you think about the complexities of that, uh, and uh, and then you try and interpret it to any other game, and it's just honestly the mere interaction is simple. What many people, many uh, uh, novices would think, oh come on, how could it, how could it be? Very. Yeah, it's ext- it's very hard. The way you think things should work are, are definitely not how they they work. I've really a lot of a lot of GDC t- talks. Listen to a lot of GDC talks, and just you know, you sometimes they're long. You don't seem like you're getting much, but there's little nuggets in there, little tips and tricks, and hit detection or or input delay to where you aren't requiring frame perfect everything. Um, kind of help the player along just not things you normally think about unless you're a developer i suppose yeah you you just you just take it things for granted and it's like how hard can this be it just this moves into there and when you shoot something when that bullet hits that thing it's going to react to it right i mean well yeah but what how big is that box that it has to hit and is that fair you know and uh, how how accurate is that bullet is going to stray off course if they, is that okay? All these things you think are quite straightforward, but no, none of it is. 
yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, taking that first step is great, and it's really inspirational to know that you spent two years just making this extraordinary game because it it really is. So, fair play to you. But um, so this is your first creation. What do you believe is your biggest influence? I mean, on this particular game, I, I you know, it wears Geometry Wars pretty heavily on its sleeve. Um, that's something. It was kind of a a mix between what I thought. I mean, I didn't have really any skills starting, but it was something that I thought attainable, a style of game that I could do. And I remember as a kid really um, enjoying Geometry Wars. Um, it was Project Gotham Racing. They had the little arcade in the garage of the video ga- of the the garage of your cars. It's a racing game, but I spent ninety percent of my time playing that three minute Geometry Wars demo i don't know if you're familiar with that but that's where i spent uh, a lot of my time in that game and played three minutes of geometry rewards on repeat with me and my friends trying to get a as high of a score as possible and i wanted to do something like that and then interestingly enough with my kids and kind of learning colors on my phone there's a game called flow free which is very simple game where you're just connecting colored dots you and it's kind of a puzzle game and that's basically i was merging those two ideas of a basic arcade twin stick shooter kind of level based with the coloring mechanics of flow free which i i kind of pivoted away initially or, or a little bit later but initially i started with Right now with Funtime, you can color the background and the little tiles will color. Um, But I had modes where you're connecting um, similar colored nodes and exploding those. Um, It ended up not being as fun as I imagined it, but uh, that's kind of the initial inspiration and and everything kind of uh, went from there. I see. Um, So it's the... The purity and the, the repeat sort of play of a seemingly a rather innocuous game because we described Robert Wall to someone like that sounds terrible. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> it does. Sorry to the makers of you know. No offense to anyone listening, and if they're a massive Geometry fan, Wars fan, which I am, by the way, I do like you, Brandon. I remember playing Project Gotham and then playing that eventually more than. The geometry boards than the car get than the driving. Although the driving game in Project Gotham was pretty good, actually. Um, yeah, it was. It, was it just wasn't game. as good as that little arcade in the corner <laughs> of your garage. Exactly. Uh, and uh, yeah, we describe it. It's it's quite. But um, just to, it sort of harkens back to some of the oldest games. Um, although they 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 had very little to work with, they did manage to produce extraordinary things. And you know, to this day. We're still kind of still playing Scramble, everyone. You know, even though it's now called Gradius 7 or something, it's still ultimately Scramble. <laughs> After all pretty these pretty much. It looks a lot better. But, yeah, uh, it does. Yeah. And it's got voices and all sorts of things. Like, shoot the core. I know. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's um, uh, just knowing that roots of it. And this is like, well, what keeps you going? What keeps you what 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 is the thing that you know you you uh, you are 
sort of transfixed by this concept of you you versus the entire map of enemies that you're going to be overwhelmed eventually. You're going to die eventually. But just let me last just one more second. Just a second. I mean, hell, what's what's wrong with that? A second is a thousand years in games like this, of course. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, and I think from what you're telling me, while you understand that you thought, well, this would be straightforward and relatively much easier to adopt rather than trying to recreate Red Dead Redemption 2 um, on your own. That would be ridiculous. Um, that's I don't, There might have been something more to it and that you just maybe were drawn to the purity of the experience and just getting down to rather than layers upon layers of other things, which is fine, and eventually they do grow from that. You just focused on that one core idea and that's what kind of inspired you is that right to say that yep yeah it was it you know it it grew from there a bit but i kept coming back to kind of a marriage between those two those two ideas the twin six shooter and a a mobile color connecting game yeah um, and i and i want i i really like the replayability of you know beating your own score beating your friend's score um it's just simple i i really enjoy like you mentioned red dead redemption um i enjoy games like that that's i you know recently that's where i spend a lot of my time but uh i don't know i don't need the narrative of a game i i just like the mechanics of a game and like the little intricacies that i figure out almost how to what feels like you're cheating the game in a way like uh this little a trick I learned to get a little extra points and it's not a cheat, but it's just those type of things are fun to me discovering how, how can I get a little, a little bit more, yeah, um, a little bit better. That's what I like. So the next question is a little bit tricky one. This, although I suspect you might be able to answer this easier than many other guests because you're relatively new as a creator of games, whereas ones that are more senior struggle for reasons you might find easy to understand. This question is this. Um, well, the question is this: What developer do you most admire in the industry, and why? Who put me on the spot saying that I would? It would be easier for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I say it is because older developers have been around for longer. They don't want to hurt anyone's feelings by leaving anyone out. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's tough because I, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm, I, yeah, I released a game, but I still feel outside looking in. So I don't, I don't know anybody personally, really. Indeed, but it could be a company or a a developer or a a smaller outfit or a large, it doesn't matter who, but who's the, who's the people or person? You go, you, the thing you do, keep doing that. It's great. Any particular, the someone who's almost maybe sort of spurred you on and inspired you, saying, "Well, they can do that. I can do this." Well, this—I mean, it may seem strange considering the scope of game that I made, um, and then I don't know about the the latest decisions that they've made. But uh, I've one game, I've or one developer I've always enjoyed ever since Morrowind is uh, is Bethesda, and I know that's completely different from my particular uh, game and genres we've just talked about. Um, And aside from Fallout 76, um, I've enjoyed playing all of their games, even, you know, third-party games that they just published. Um, 
I I really enjoy what they they kind of do with the genres. They're they're kind of they've got a level of jank to them, I guess, in a lot of their games. But um, I've really liked their um, the worlds that they build, and I find myself spending a lot of time in those in those games. Um, and as far as more individual based um, developers, that's less of a company. Uh, honestly, there's a few YouTubers that uh, I've just learned from a lot the last two years. Um, if it weren't for Google and it weren't for YouTube, I I wouldn't have made a game for sure. Um, and one of them is a, a guy named Jonas Tyroller. Um, I don't know if that's how he says his last name, but he he uh, is working on a game called Will You Snail right now, and this is really a small game. I don't know if anybody on anybody listening would know who that is but um i actually i watch him and um he also was part of a um grizzly games they released islanders which is a small game that released on steam did pretty well um that's somebody i followed i've used a lot of his uh tips and tricks um he gave me some feedback on fun time so that's somebody that i um at least appreciate the help from at the very least Excellent answers. Uh, Bethesda, oh, yeah, I'm with you. I remember Arena, because like I said, playing these games for a very long time. And that was one of the earliest titles ever made. And then Daggerfall, which was a bug-ridden mess. But my goodness, the ambition behind that title was a, a hint at what was going to arrive in the form of eventual later games like Morrowind and Oblivion and Skyrim. I still regret yeah. mainlining Skyrim, if I may share that, Brandon. I did. I don't know why I did that. But you just uh, golden path all the way through? Yeah. I'm huh? not kidding. It's just, um, where's the main task? Okay, right. There's a cave over there. Yep. Is it anything to do with the main task? No. Nope. Okay, fine. <laughs> and I just kept on going. Yeah. I, I, Man, I spent a lot of time in Skyrim. I did everything but the main task. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm the type that one, once you meet, once you beat the main one for some, it is a little harder for me to stay motivated. So I do, I, I go every nook and cranny I can Yeah. Um, before I do any of the, the main quest. If it, if it doesn't force me to, I'll do everything else. Indeed. And then what, what happened was I mainlined it, saved the universe, <laughs> went back to the village and went, there you go, I'm king of the world. So I saved the world. And then some NPC walks up and says, oh, there's some bandits up in the hills. Can you take the, take care of them? I'm like, I just saved it. Yeah, it's a bit underwhelming. <laughs> it's like, I, I can kill dragons by looking at... No. No, I'm not going to kill your beaten bandits. And that was that. That was the end of my Skyrim experience. Sad. You know, kind of filled it with, um, well, uh, other other RPGs, so we say. But this, you can never go back, which is a bit sad. So, yeah, should have done that. It took me 30 hours as well. 30. Three zero. That's what it was. Yeah. It's just like, damn. That's... I still remember the embassy bit of the elves. That was great. But, uh, yeah. So I'll just I delved into the Witcher games instead. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, Witcher, Witcher was great. Spent a lot of time in there as well. I haven't, yeah. haven't uh, played all the DLCs. I think I just did Blood and Wine, but... Yeah. Um, that's great, too. Yeah, Witcher's one of the few games that has a proper range of British regional accents. You probably know this. But, oh, uh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, look, it's Bromby. 
You never hear anyone Brummy accent. Like, yeah, yeah, he's full on Brummy. Like, wow, that's rare. <laughs> it was a nice, it was a nice thing for us. Like, oh, that's nice. See, nice. we do have a lot of regional. You know, we've got a lot of regional accents, but it's like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Thanks for recognising that. So, next uh, final question of the first half. See, look, you made it. Well done. <laughs> is, pat, my, uh, pat myself on the back yeah, you should you should uh but it does get made difficult after this um is um we have to ask this question because it's a podcast about video games so what are you playing right now right now um since i did just fin- i hadn't been playing a lot of games because i was finishing up this game um and i do it after work and on weekends so haven't had a lot of time, but right now I got uh, Game Pass for PC. So at the moment, I'm actually playing Rage, which is I had mentioned another Bethesda game. I don't I don't know if I'm too invested at the moment, but uh, it's one it's what I'm playing. Um, I jumped into No Man's Sky, the last updates because that was on Game Pass. Didn't really capture. I don't know. For some reason, I just couldn't get into it. I, they've added a lot since the first release. It's not. But, it's, um, it's not recognizable from the original game, certainly. But yeah, it's just something about it. I, I went into the survival mode, and I just constantly was. I don't. I don't know if how much you've played it, but the the toxicity level rising on every planet. It just seemed very tedious. I'm sure that you get enough upgrades or, or improvements to where. That's not the case, but um, I had spent a lot of game, a lot of time in a game called Ark Survival Evolved um, on PC, which I actually spent uh, thirteen hundred hours, I think, is logged on my Steam, which is the most I've ever played any game in my life, um, and that's very heavy on the survival um, mechanics. And I guess when I got into No Man's Sky, I was like, I just, I can't do another survival. I need to eat food type. Yeah. Um, oh, I need to build game. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I just need something else. So I hopped into rage. So it's, it's rage when my kids are, um, not around. Cause I don't, I try not to play those games around them. No, and then no. thumper when they're down here. So I love that game on PSVR. I know. Oh, I haven't, I have not played it on VR. Yeah, um, my other, uh, VR game though, that I, you know, when I have the time to set up, uh, the Oculus is uh, Beat Saber. I just yeah. love Beat Saber. So fun. So good. Just so good. I just, and it, it doesn't tell you anything. That's what I love about I, it. This, um, yeah, it's great. It's just like just so simple. Go in. But you and, think, I was like, how hard is this to hit the cubes? Okay, like, oh, wait. I have to hit them accurately? Yes. And also I have to hit them really, really hard? Yes. <laughs> What? Yeah. Why did they tell you that? A, yeah, like I know they didn't mention anything, but no? it's, it's addicting. Oh. Quite a workout too. Oh yeah, uh, a nice cardio workout. I do have it on the Quest and the PSVR. I prefer it on the PSVR only because the controllers have a heft to them. You know what I mean? Okay. So they've got a lot, I, of, I, yeah, a lot of weight to them. But yeah, I don't have a PSVR. I just have a. I don't have the newer versions of the Oculus. I have the older, so I don't have the newer um, uh, touch grips or whatever they're calling them. Yeah, yeah. The controllers, though. So yeah. I don't know what the new ones are like. Yeah. 
I have a Quest. I don't have a Oculus full of a PC because at the moment I'm talking to you now, my PC's not up to it, but I'm about to upgrade. Looking forward to that. It's actually sitting on my dining room table right now. I haven't got around to it because I'm too busy. <laughs> uh, eventually, yeah. it's just a big. It's a big job because I haven't upgraded my machine over eight years properly. Well, I've put a new graphics card in and some ma- and some RAM, but other than that, it's just been the same motherboard and processor for eight years. Uh, yeah, kind of oh, yeah. due. You know, it's been fine. Yeah, definitely. You know, very high end i seven. It's great, but yeah. Damn. Uh, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but so when that happens, I can then put VR on my PC finally. Because um, I actually checked and said, yeah, your process is a bottleneck. No! So, yeah. Yeah, yeah a- I got to update my, mine as well. I have a, a graphics card. I've been in a similar boat, I'd say, maybe five years ago, though. Yeah. It was my last rebuild. It's just a good processor. It was good. Thanks. Thanks, Intel. Although I'm leaving them now for... For AMD, thanks to Ryzen. Anyway, um, yeah, great responses, and yeah, well, I've done the rage and stuff. That's awesome. Um, for me, it's just Animal Crossing. I really need to stop doing that. Anyway, so let's move on to the second half of the show, where we delve deep into hashtag Fun Time. Before we can do our deep dive, we need to know what it is. So what is Hashtag Fun Time? Hashtag Fun Time is uh, an arcade twin stick shooter um, where it's more than just uh, shooting. You uh, There's a heavily weighted uh, color swapping mechanic where 
the face buttons on, say, an Xbox controller um, correspond to the color of your ship, and you can change those on the fly, which um, colors the background, and you can destroy enemies when they cross the same colored path, or you can change the firing pattern of your little drone helper ship, um, and there's a wrecking ball in it. Yes, there is a wrecking ball, minus Miley Cyrus, of course. She's not in it. But no, yes. I couldn't. I, she she was busy. Otherwise, <laughs> she was I busy. Her in the, yep. doing whatever she does. But when I saw it, the song popped into my head. Couldn't stop it. It was involuntary. I don't even like the song. But there it is in my head. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Cheers. All right. <laughs> Fantastic description of the game. I was I was going to wish you luck with that. I thought, no, he's probably done this a few times. Let, I'll let him go because I, I love sort of like, you know, in your own words. There's been once or twice developers are saying, I can't. <laughs> I just I don't yeah. know. I can't. You, you have a go, Chris. You you do it for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not the marketing guy, but I, I enjoy talking about it at least. Indeed. So now we have established what hashtag fun time is. Let us talk about the, uh, the design questions I've got, everyone. Here we go. First one. The central tenet to twin-stick shooters is knowing where you are relative to everything else that's around you and how you interact with it or not. Is this what you believe you built hashtag fun time around? Um... I I don't know if that was the consciously in my in my head during the time I was building the game, um, but it's something I definitely um, iterated off of. So for one piece um, of that is there are some levels where um, you're moving around and the and the camera follows you. Um, I had it um, initially when I first built it, it was just locked to the the player. It felt very stiff, so I have a, a kind of a, a delay follow now um but i also found that as you're moving to the right for instance on a a larger uh, level that the screen would lag back to the left so you wouldn't see where you were going um, and you could run into to enemies off screen so in that regard i I worked on and a lot of games implement this but I, i have kind of a i try to frame most of the action while still biased towards where the player is um and i think that is kind of a balance between what looks good and what feels good i suppose yeah it's just that or not, but. yeah it's difficult to for me to sort of like expand on this and it's something i find fascinating with twin six shooters and something I always always impress upon is like my advice to anyone is like well where are you i'm there sure where are you going over there is that safe think so well is it safe now is it will it be safe after you shoot things okay i'll make it safe good idea (laughs) and you're making these decisions constantly rapid 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 all the time and that's the beauty of them that's what i believe draws people to the experience is that you're constantly making these judgments milliseconds apart constantly saying is that safe is that safe sometimes you get it wrong or you mistime it, or you see something coming from behind you, like, where did that come from? Or you are shooting in the wrong direction, or it's just placement. 
where you are in space and what you're doing is what's the threat are you safe no then make yourself safe if not you're going to get killed i just then i think hashtag fun time is a wonderful model of this it really is so thank you you're welcome thank you <laughs> um the second question though and i think you've answered this a couple of times but i want to delve deeper into it and it's wonderful that you're inspired by your four kids. Speaking as someone who's the youngest of four, I can relate. So, and also to make sure he's not being shoved around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, my my say, youngest, she, she's uh, just over one, so. Uh, been, she's, yeah, a little while, but. Yeah, a little while before they start picking on her too much. Exactly, yeah, and then give them a clout. So, um, sorry, parenting. Anyway, uh, the use of colours. I love the use of colours. The fact that usually in twin stick shooters, you don't have to really look at your controller, right? You're just, you know, you're doing the thing with the twin sticks, you know, it's Max Machina, you know, just go, 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 you know, it's just explosions and your trigger pull when you try to throw a bomb. It's great, but hashtag fun time doesn't allow you to do that. You say, no, no, no. You've got to react to your environment. And also, what's the trend here? Are more yellow things coming at you? Why don't you deal with that? Why don't you just change the environment so it makes it easier for you to deal with it, i.e. safer for you? So, you know, the idea of having visual cues like that in the, in the environment for which the player has to react against, how did it come about and how have you found integrating this very, I'm going to say the word, alien idea or concept into a twin-stick shooter? Yeah, and I had mentioned, you know, it started as just kind of a something that would make that my kids and I could play and it introduced, you know, the twin stick mechanics and kind of difficulty that I enjoyed with, you know, colors that they were learning. And it, it seems kind of like a silly gimmick, but I actually found it presented just a, a fun other layer to games I've played over and over and over again. Um, you know, I wanted to make something like I wanted to make a twin six shooter game, but I didn't want to make the same twin six shooter game. And and at first glance, there are a lot of similarities. But I think this added an element like you had mentioned, where you don't normally have to think about the face buttons. And then the other thing, which initially um, a lot of people kind of questioned, like, oh, I have to take my my thumb off of the 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 right stick, the fire button, essentially. And that's kind of part of the risk reward, I thought. Switching the colors, taking taking your thumb off the stick to switch the color for either more points to to pass through flames or, or lasers or anything like that. I just think it added a, an, another layer. So I kept kind of expanding upon it. Um, that's how kind of the zones mode came about or the, the wrecking ball. What if you had another type of uh, element where not only is it a twin stick, but you're also trying to <laughs> swing this wrecking ball around. All the same twin stick rules apply, except for you have this other element. And then later, the what if that was colored and I used the same color mechanic? So it kind of was very iterative, but really just started with, you know, one, something my kids can play, and then two of like, I'm actually enjoying this second layer that's not present in most games yeah yeah all right i mean it's just it's just that 
I mean, what I, I was about to say was I actually play it with my index finger on the buttons. <laughs> Like, okay, so, so you don't have to worry about that. Okay, no, I don't. I don't actually let go of the other thumbstick. I'm actually sort of jamming away my index finger. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but it works for me. So whatever. Okay. Uh, um, I had not seen anybody play it like that. Yeah. I, and one thing I'll I'll kind of put out there too is so the music I had made all the music in the game. That's something I have just kind of done as a hobby. I've never made electronic music like this, so that was fun. Um, but my initial concept for the game was actually even even deeper on the um what can me and my family play together because initially it was twin stick uh a twin stick shooter but it was going to be four four player local uh co-op and each ship was going to have its own color and the coloring mechanic i was going to have a mode where you color the background and since i liked making music the more of the color say i'm red if I'm coloring most of the black background red, that uh, song that would be, each player would be represented by a song, and that song would type to kind of swell, and the you know the hue of maybe the screen would turn more red, and it would kind of illustrate both visually and audio in an audio fashion that that player is controlling most of the zone. It ended up being a little more difficult to implement, and then also. Uh, networking i that's not something i i even know how to do at this point so it's something that uh, i still have the bones of that in in another project file um but that's actually that's really where um i a moment when i was like man what what if just one ship could switch between all the colors and so anyway i had i had a lot of ideas at the time and and i think that's just me being this is the first game I ever made and so my ideas were kind of hopping around and um you know I didn't do a a design doc or anything like that before the game so kind of rambling there but that's how that's how I got there perhaps you could just call it you know multi-fun time as a sequel or something that might work yeah it's potential yeah yeah I like the idea it's a little bit like warlords a little bit but much more much more involved it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It it also was, I mean, it's a mouthful to even explain like I just did. So it was another yeah. thing where I was like, hmm, maybe I need to boil it down to yeah. something a little more crisp. So <laughs> that's why that kind of was cut. No, that's fine. It's fine. I'm not going to talk about level difficulty with hashtag fun time because it doesn't pull its punches. It seems to revel in it like, oh, yeah, you think you got this? No. No, you haven't got a clue. And that's a real mark of a extraordinary design, and that you stick, you know, it's um, you keep coming back to it. What do you think you've done consciously, or maybe subconsciously? I don't mind with fun. Sorry, hashtag fun time to make people keep coming back for more, despite being punched in the face. Um, I'm thinking it must be on a subconscious level. I, uh, I. You know, one thing I did with the arcade mode, and this was more purposefully, is I, I did realize it was difficult. Um, I, it is also a, a tad bit faster than most um, twin stick shooters. And then with the, the boosting mechanic, it, it even speeds it up more. So it's, it is kind of a difficult learning curve. But on the arcade mode, I added in the, the upgrades. And that was more so 
at least when you're first starting out, you're not feeling like it's, you're just getting smashed into the ground. Um, you at least know that every, every run you're getting a little, a little bit more. So as you're really, my intention is you're learning the game. You're just, your skills are getting better, but at the same time, there's that, um, understanding that you're also getting currency to buy some upgrades. And then as far as the, the challenge mode, it's a challenge. I mean, it, it is difficult. Um, I like difficult games. Um, I, you know, I'm getting, you know, some feedback that maybe, maybe it was a, a little rough. So there have been a couple tweaks that uh, I've made and I'm working on a, a patch that's not going to drastically alter, but it, just a few things that are, uh, maybe I made it a little, little too, too difficult that will be cleaned up in the next patch. Yeah, uh, I I don't think it detracts from the experience. I just find it fascinating that yeah, you you keep smashing your head against the wall, but it's not really you make progress. You always get better, um, and uh, sometimes it doesn't happen with games like this. You keep on hitting the same wall, and you, you actually reach the threshold. But I'm not finding that with hashtag fun time. If I get frustrated with another component, I can just jump onto another mode or another mode of play and enjoy that for a little bit and then hone my skill in some aspect of it. And I, oh, actually, I can use that in another mode. And then it's just, it's wonderful how it's been sort of laid out. And I can definitely see that it evolved and morphed into what it is. But I think it's my, it's not a happy accident. I'm not going to say that because that's that's uh, denigrating the design experience or, or the effort and the craftsmanship you put into it. I'm going to say that whether it's consciously or subconsciously, you you enjoy playing games, clearly, and here's you making one to ensure that others will enjoy it too. Um, so, yeah, I think um, it's just that sort of like the point chasing and uh, the, the, the sense of the endorphin rush you get when you actually get to a certain level or a certain aspect of uh, sort of stage of uh, progress is... Um, it can't be understated. Yeah, there's a there's another thing too in in there that there's a few mechanics um, that I, I kind of purposefully don't explain fully. I mean, it, there's no real tutorial. I mean, obviously each each level in the challenge mode kind of introduces a new thing, but it's not a it doesn't tell the game doesn't tell you how to optimally do anything. It's kind of up to discovery. And that's something I've missed in a lot of games is I don't really get to discover mechanics. They just kind of tell me this is the mechanic. It, and and that's fun too. I mean, there's so many games out. Sometimes it takes a while to, to learn a mechanic. So when you're hopping between games, it is nice to be spoon fed. But in this case, there are a couple mechanics and uh, seen a couple let's plays and there's some of them people have seen, but there's still actually a couple more in there that, um, hopefully people discover and will uh, allow them to, to get uh, much, much higher scores once, yeah. once those are discovered. Once, once you figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Last question then, Brandon, I know all good things must come to an end, but here we are. <laughs> yep. Here we are. One thing that really struck me and you probably think, well, where are you going with this, Chris? But it's not, you know, it's just, why did you do this? The player's ship in Hashtag Fun Time is quite big compared to the enemies. A lot of the enemies. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Why? That is true. Um, I did that. Um, my main playtester is a, 
nine-year-old boy. He's my my oldest son. Yeah. And uh, he he liked bigger bullets and a big ship. So that was one of the things. And uh, initially, I mean, initially I wasn't, I mean, I was going to release this on Steam, but as far as on Switch, PS4, Xbox, that was never in the cards because, again, this is the first game. I'm I'm just happy to make something. Um, you know, I kind of fell forward, and, and luckily with each step forward, um, you know, more opportunities opened up. But so initially it was it was kind of something me and my, my son kind of agreed upon. So that was the initial piece of it. Um, the other thing was kind of that visibility. It is, you know, it, it's pretty chaotic. There's a lot of explosions. There's screen shake. There's colors and all sorts of stuff that's going on in the game. The the background color changing. Um, so it also helped keep um, keep the play, uh, kept the player from losing where they are on the screen. Um, I found when it was a little smaller cause I had it smaller, I had it even bigger, which may seem crazy. Um, and this seemed like a, a balance between, um, being able to see the, the player on the screen with all the chaos and some of the later levels, um, versus, um, I guess more of a realistic uh, scale. Cause right now, I mean, it's compared to blocks and stuff. So I guess I don't know what realistic would be, but it does seem a little large compared to the rest of the enemies and stuff on screen. But that's kind of the, the decision behind that. Okay. You think of Geometry Wars, the little creek, little ship was slightly bigger, I think. Yeah, it was slightly bigger, but it was yeah. a, a lot more in proportion with the enemies. Yeah. Um, one thing I yeah. did do is um, the the hitbox or the collider of the the ship is smaller than the actual um, model. So your, your hitbox is a little closer to the size of uh, your enemies. Um, but the visual representation, the model is, 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 yeah, is large, but it's mainly for visibility. Excellent. So if we, goes back to my first question or design question anyway. The central tenet of twin stick shooters is knowing where you are. But if you can't see where you are, you don't know where you are. There we are. You made it larger so you can see where you are. <laughs> right. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> um, hashtag fun time uh, by One Guy Games. Normally, at this point, I ask the developer where they get the name for their the developer from kind of self I don't, I don't think I don't think you're going to figure this one out it's pretty it's a bit esoteric, <laughs> isn't it it's a bit abstract uh, not yeah it could have been yellow pig games but no you went with one guy games and uh, yeah nicely done I'm astonished that, because the music's fantastic I'm just thank you I'm really yeah I was expecting you to say oh yeah I worked with the composer and like, no it's just oh really yeah, it's dynamic as well it works it reflects what's going on on the screen. So good. So, yeah. Anyway, yes, uh, Hashtag Fun Time by One Guy Games and published by the Quantum Astrophysics Guild. Lovely people. We've had on the show, by the way. Um, it's out now on Windows PC and Nintendo Switch and PS4 and Xbox One. Have I covered everyone? Is there anyone else I've missed? Nope, the platforms? that's, 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 all that's everywhere. Yeah, it's awesome. And Brandon, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you very, very much for sharing your time, your precious time with us to chat about uh, 
your experience of the designing your first ever game, which I can't fathom, which is hashtag fun time. So thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, canandrinse.com.